You're listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. For more information, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk. Um, um, today we're reading from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 27. So that's 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And before Alistair comes up, I'll just pray for him as we read. Lord God, we are one body in your spirit, God. Please help us today to identify and value our different roles and gifts that you have put in us, both in ourselves and in each other. I pray for Alistair as he unravels the word, Lord. May he bless us and let, let your glory shine through his teaching this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Uh, so, yeah, I'm Alistair. Um, I'm one of the members of Emmanuel. Um, there is a, can I just ask, is there a slide knocking around? Does anyone see a slide? Because it might be. I did have a slide. It's not. Thank you. That helps. Yes. It wouldn't have mattered if it wasn't there. You'd get the idea, hopefully. But. So, uh, yeah, so I'm going to, um, we're going to carry on our series looking at the church. Uh, I must say at the outset that I thought that was an absolutely outstanding uh, illustration. And hopefully that will complement what I'm going to say. And if you forget everything I say, well, just remember the illustration, because that summed it up far better uh, than I could ever have done. You got to see uh, the reality of how a body should work and what happens when it doesn't function as it should. Uh, So we're carrying on our service, our series, uh, today about uh, truths relating to the church. We're going to consider this this truth that's presented to us in uh, a number of passages various passages in the New Testament, and we come to one of the most uh, prominent passages that deals with this idea um, of the church as the body of Christ. 
And obviously 1 Corinthians 12 has this section uh, dealing with uh, this idea and we're going to consider, we're going to consider it in detail, in some brief detail today. We're not going to look at every part of the verses, uh, but we're hopefully going to draw out some, uh, some of the concepts and some practical implications for us uh, as Christians and for us as a church. When the Bible deals with this truth, it does so really in two ways. And Jane uh, has already mentioned those two ways when we did the illustration for the children. The first is that um, uh, if you take an example like Ephesians chapter 1, there it refers to the church as the universal church. The body of Christ is the universal church. And that is talking about every believer in the world uh, throughout all the generations And that's what we mean when we speak about uh, the universal church. But here, uh, when we come to this passage, one of the verses, verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And I think in this context, that verse is really referring to the local church. So sometimes it's talking about all the believers, all the Christians across the world. And other times it's talking, the Bible is speaking um, about local churches, and we are... Uh, a local church and therefore this uh, applies to us in that sense in Ephesians 5 uh, verse 23 we read these words for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church his body and is himself its saviour so the Lord Jesus Christ the son of God he is the head of the body. He is the head of the church, and the church is his body. And at the outset, I want to start with a quote that I think uh, gives us some key ideas uh, that we're going to consider today. Mark Dever, he says this, when a person becomes a Christian, he or she doesn't just join a local church because it's a good habit for growing in spiritual maturity. He joins a local church Because it's the expression of what God has made him a member of the body of Christ. When a person becomes a Christian, he doesn't just join a local church because it's a good habit for growing in spiritual maturity. He joins a local church because it's the expression of what Christ has made him a member of the body of Christ. So when we look at these verses today, I want us to consider the four things uh, behind us. We're going to kind of hang our thoughts on these, uh, on these four ideas. First of all, the, the unity of the body. The unity of the body is something that is produced by the Holy Spirit. And that's uh, mentioned clearly in verses 12 and 13. Then we're going to think about the illustration of the human body. So throughout the verses, you'll see almost interchangeably the Apostle Paul, sometimes he's referring to the the human body and sometimes he's referring to the church, but it's almost overlapping. And so we're going to look at that as the illustration because that shows reality that can't be changed. And you, as you sit here, wonderfully have a permanent reminder in your body of some of the realities that we consider today and then you can apply that in your own minds and hearts to what we're teaching uh, and what we're hearing as Christians then we're going to look at the arrangement of the body and and these these two final things I suppose are key and this is what I want to hone in slightly on uh, towards the second half is that there are times when we might feel we are inadequate, we might think well I'm not good enough to serve 
and the church. There are thoughts of inadequacy, but they don't need to hinder our service because you personally are vital. So because you are in the body as a Christian, you are vital. And then finally, the composition of the body, thoughts of independence. So thoughts of independence, when we think we can do it on our own, when we think we don't need other people, that thought goes completely contrary to the nature of the body. Everyone is vital, everyone is valued, and so we want to consider that as well uh, today. So, a believer is a part of the body that presents Jesus here on earth. Each member is vital, each member is valued because God has made us into one body of Christ. We should go forth and serve our head, the Lord Jesus, knowing that by God's will and design we're mysteriously inseparable from him and from each other and we all matter because of what God has done for us. In this chapter, you know, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the idea of spiritual gifts. And in verse 7, he says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Every single Christian has a spiritual gift. And the gift is a way in which the Holy Spirit is made visible. We can't see the Holy Spirit. But he's made visible by the gifts in the church you get some, an indication, really, of the reality of the Holy Spirit when, when the Lord Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And he gave that illustration of how you don't know the wind, you can't see the wind, but you see the effect of the wind. Well, we can't see the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is made visible in the lives of Christians. And in this section that we're considering, verse 12, Paul writes, Just as a body, though one, has many parts... But all its members form one body, so it is with Christ. Your physical human body has many parts to it. Those parts vary considerably. They, you know, they vary in size, they vary in power, they vary in function, they vary in capability. Yet despite being many and indiv individual parts in their own right, they form one body. When you came here today, there were all sorts of processes and functions taking place in your human body. Your brain and mind directed you to where you should go, and your body accomplished the result of getting you to this location. Hopefully you want to be here. Uh, hopefully you'll still want to be here after you've heard me speak. Uh, but ultimately, your body worked, and your body accomplished what your mind set itself uh, to do. And so it is with the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul speaks, he says, so it is with Christ. It is Christ's body. First and foremost, above everything else, we are united to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're united to him. He is our head. We don't belong to ourselves, but instead we belong to his body. And now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You are here to represent him and Christ, and, and we and, and the church expresses Christ on earth. On the day of Pentecost, uh, as recorded in Acts chapter 2, uh, the church was baptised by the Spirit. Uh, the believers were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The, the Spirit came upon them and in them, and the church was baptised by the Holy Spirit. From that moment on, all who are saved are baptised by the Spirit. 
These verses are not referring to water, water baptism, but they, but they are instead referring to baptism of the Spirit in which I believe the work of the Holy Spirit happens upon and in each and every Christian. This happens to all Christians uh, when they believe in the Lord Jesus and when they trust him for salvation. When a person becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit works upon them and in them. He is doing a work to sanctify them, to separate them, to save them, to apply the work of Christ to that individual. And that is bringing us into the body. It can't be reversed. It can't be changed. There's nothing that can alter this reality. You can't change, well, I suppose to a degree you can change your body, but really you, you ought not to. There are times when our bodies don't work, but ultimately there's a reality that you have right now that can't be changed and altered. There is a reality that the Holy Spirit has brought about that can't be changed and altered. C.S. Lewis wrote, The church is not a human society of people united by their natural affinities, but the body of Christ in which all members, however different, must share the common life, contemplating and helping one another precisely by their differences. God has arranged, God has composed, and God has appointed. So by the will of God, we are a part of this body, and therefore you're here for a reason. We're all in perfect relationship with the Lord Jesus and with each other. The Spirit of God has worked in our lives to unite us to Jesus and to unite us to one another. And you need to look at the people around you and consider them now in this way. Just like you think about your hand, your ear, your eye, your foot, all connected to the same body. So now look at the people around you and consider the reality of your relationship with them. You might not like that news. That might not be what you want to hear. Uh, but it is, it is a reality. Uh, the person who married, uh, who married me and Sarah, uh, his famous words to me were, which I often quote to people, sometimes you want to punch the saints in the face. But obviously, uh, that, goes, that flies completely contrary to the, to the reality of the church and to the reality of the church as a body. So, whether we like that news or not, we are all connected. And I think these things are important because... This is really helpful for us in our everyday Christian life. You know, I have a simple mantra that I think serves me well. It, it, it simply goes like this, but it, it happens in different forms. Just because I don't feel it doesn't mean it's not true. So, as a teenager, even if I don't, be, even if I don't believe God exists, doesn't mean God doesn't exist. Even if I don't believe God exists, doesn't mean that he doesn't exist. As a young man doubting my salvation, even if I don't appreciate the death of the Lord Jesus, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And as a slightly older young man, uh, wondering why some sins won't go away, just because I don't often feel saved doesn't mean I'm not saved. And, and I think this falls into that category for me. Whether you appreciate it or not, you know, whether you feel it or not, the Holy Spirit has placed you in the body of Christ. It's a reality today. Believe it because it's true. We are joined to him as the head. He's perfect in his understanding. He's perfect in his intelligence. And he directs all the actions of the body. We submit to him. And all our energy, power, and the ability to function flows from him by his spirit. The design of it's perfect. 
We're in the exact position that we ought to be, and no mistake has been made. We act on his behalf, and we express him to the world around us. And one of the key things that's perhaps just worth noting in passing uh, in one of these verses, it says, For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. The work of the spirit has placed you in the body so that you are involved and equipped, irrespective of your heritage and your standing in society. So whatever your standing might be in this world, you are equally a part of the body. And it doesn't, national, national heritage, our ethnicity, our background, that doesn't come into this. Salvation changes all that. So let's come on to the illustration of the human body for a moment. Your body is made up of over 100 trillion cells. It possesses 206 bones. There are 320 uh, pairs of muscles and you have five vital organs. If you take just the human eye for one minute, it's extremely complex. Uh, it's a perfect and interrelated system of about 40 subsystems. You can tell I, didn't, I don't know, know this myself. I, I got it off the internet. That's, I think that's becoming quite clear with the way I'm just parroting it off, isn't it? Um, the retina has approximately 137 uh, million special cells that respond to light and send messages to the brain. 130 million of these cells look like rods and they handle the black and white vision. The other 7 million are cone-shaped and allow us to see colour. So you think of all that that the eye can accomplish, you think of all that that the eye can do, and yet it can't do what the ear can do. It can't do what the foot can do, and it can't do what the hand can do. From, verse, from the next section, really, verses 15 to 27, we come to two different attitudes, and so this brings us on to the other two points. The arrangement of the body and the composition of the body. There's, there's two possibilities or two attitudes that really can affect our service in the church. And, and this is where we want to just consider for a moment the practical implications of what the Spirit of God has done uh, in us. One is the attitude of thinking that we are inadequate to serve. And, and he says this, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it's no less a part of the body. The other is the attitude of thinking we can serve independently. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. So what about if you currently feel, what, what about if you today are a part of this church and you currently feel that you're not fit to serve or you don't, you're inadequate to serve, you're not capable of serving? You know, what is the answer uh, that you need to hear today from this passage? Well, you don't, you don't usually walk on your hands. I mean, you might perform that as a kind of party trick now again. You might be able to do it some key events, but it's not sustainable in the long term. You, you don't walk on your hands. Likewise, you know, when you, when you go to, to write with the pen, you, you don't tend to get your foot involved. You know, obviously, sometimes people, again, might do that. I remember my brother used to be able to kind of wrap his foot round his head in some weird fashion because he was kind of double jointed but it just, I, I preferred when he didn't do it, it was rather quite uh, it was just odd and, and quite strange but if the foot was to say because I'm not a hand I do not belong to the body, it wouldn't change reality, wouldn't make it any less true that it does belong to the body 
Yeah, there are times yeah, when we look at other Christians and perhaps we think, I can't do what they're doing, so I'm not needed. Or there are times in churches when a particular gift is seen as the ultimate, the be-all and end-all, and other gifts are neglected. But you, as a Christian, you are given the opportunity to serve, not because you're good enough, but because God is good. And in this arrangement, you are a part that others aren't. When speaking about the coming of the Lord Jesus, John the Baptist said this, After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. He recognized that he wasn't worthy, but he still served as the forerunner, preaching repentance and announcing the coming of the Messiah. There is a right kind of humility that says, I don't deserve to be here, but because God has placed me here, I can serve. I don't deserve to be here, but because God has placed me here, I can serve. We are tempted to compare ourselves to other Christians. Even the Apostle Paul uh, did it in relation to John. If you read John 21, verse 21, you see this situation where, where sorry, even Peter, where Peter said to Jesus, um, Lord, what about him? Uh, and Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And that has often been a challenge to me. I have been very tempted at times to be jealous of what other Christians are doing that I can't do. And I just think of the words of the Lord Jesus, what is that to you? And sometimes that helps. It's a good old slap across the face, sometimes the wake-up call uh, that I need. I want to say to you this morning, on the ground of God's word, as he expresses his will in this passage... I can 100% categorically state that you have a role to play in the church. And you are a vital part of it. And you are a vital part of it, not because of who you are, but because of what God has done and where he has placed you. If we were all identical and serving in the same way, then we would be hideously, a hideously disfigured and dysfunctional body. More than that, this passage makes it clear, we wouldn't be a body at all. In the Heidelberg Catechism it says, each member should consider it a duty to use these gifts for the service and enrichment of the um, other members. So, on a slightly more sombre note, we sin if we don't get involved. We sin if we don't get involved. If you think you are not, vi you are not a vital part of the body of Christ, then you are effectively saying that God made a mistake. If you think you're not a vital part of the body of Christ, you're effectively saying God made a mistake. Yet at the same time, your value doesn't come from you, but it comes from the Father, the Son, and it comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from their arranging, their willing, their working it all out, and you belong to the body and your church needs you. In the church I was brought up in, there was an older sister who was a widow. Uh, her husband had been an elder, but, she, but he had died, and for quite a period she lived on her own in Gatley. Um, due to her age and health, she wasn't involved in many aspects uh, of the church, at, le at least not the obvious ones, I suppose. Um, did that mean she wasn't a part of the body? Not at all. She was the greatest evangelist in the church. Um, even when she was on the bus, she was the lady 
speaking to absolute strangers and instantly telling them of the Lord Jesus. She did it time and time and time again. And others simply could not do that. I can't do that, but she could. She was, you know, at the same time, though she was able to do that, she needed care and attention. She couldn't drive, and so other brothers and sisters needed to help her. They needed to get her to the meetings. They needed to support her when she was unwell. They would visit her with gifts. She needed care and attention. So there was, you know, the body was working. There were different functions of the body going on. What about the second issue? What about our our final issue, the composition of the body? What about the second matter? Uh, Thinking that you and I, what about if we think we don't need others? Well, if the first hindrance to serving in the church is an underestimation of our value, then the second hindrance uh, to serving in the church is an overestimation of our value. We can come to it, we can come to this matter almost as if it's a competition. We're all desperate to get the highest reward from the Lord Jesus. Uh, Thankfully, in the wisdom of God, his design puts a stop to all that. Uh, I've seen in my experience of church... Uh, there were times when Christians wanted to get involved in a particular work. They, uh, they felt they should get involved in a ministry, but they, were, they asked for the opportunity, but they were refused. Now, that, that's not to say always that the decline is wrong. There might be times when they misunderstand what they should be doing, but, but there were times when people wanted to do a work and, and their offer was declined. I've also seen situations which seems to be a bit more prevalent and uh, this, this slightly makes me smile because I've, got, uh, I've had this own attitude and also I've got friends who, who can be co- uh, a bit guilty of this. There's, maybe that's judgmental, but um, you'll see where I'm going. Anyway, I've also seen times where Christians would, uh, they struggle to serve in their local church, so they go away and work independently. You know, they struggle to serve with other Christians, so they set about a work on their own. Now, sometimes you might find you're serving on your own, but it seems a bit of a contradiction. You know, if, you can't, if you can't get on with the believers around you, that you start serving in a way that's independent of the body. As Rosaria Butterfield said, there's no such thing as an independent Christian. A new man years ago, he received a telephone call from someone in a different local church. So the person rings him. Uh, the person had a youth weekend that they were planning they rang uh, my friend and they were asking if he would be willing to speak at this, at this youth weekend. And he just politely said, that isn't my gift, but I know someone who can. So he gave the telephone number of another individual and said, they will be able to speak at your youth weekend. It's not what I'm capable of doing. And you know, when I heard that story, I was so impressed that that brother had, uh, A, the conviction, the courage to be that frank and that honest. It would have been easy for him to say, yes, of course, take the opportunity. It's a prominent thing to do. But instead, out of humility and out of a desire for the greater good of the body, he refused and he provided the details of someone else. At the end of Acts chapter 8, we read that Philip the evangelist came to Caesarea. He was preaching the gospel and he reaches this place. And you know, we see, uh, de- we've seen details of his life and his experience unfold. In Acts chapter 10, we discover that Peter is sent, uh, is sent for to preach the gospel to Cornelius in Caesarea. Common sense would say, well, get Philip. But in the wisdom of God, it was God's will that Peter should be the preacher on that occasion. On the surface, when you look at your body, you know, there are parts that you think are weaker than others. There's parts that seem to be stronger 
There's parts that, uh, that we think, well, might not be entirely necessary, but those parts, if they were taken away, the body wouldn't function. They are completely indispensable. There are parts that we think of as being more honourable, parts that are more prominent than others. Some parts are more presentable. You know, some parts we need to hide and cover up. Some parts we wish we could change and, you know, perhaps we wish we could cover up uh, more, than, more than most. But the reality is we give greater care and attention to the unpresentable parts. And so Paul is saying, in all of the perfect design of the human body, all the parts are vital and all the parts are of value. And all the parts need care and attention. And so too it is with the church. You know, sometimes there's service that's more obvious than others. Sometimes there's parts of the, of the church uh, which are seen constantly, and there's other times when things are hidden, and it's only the Lord who sees them. But if we, di- if we understand the design of Christ's body, and we appreciate this truth, then w- there cannot be division in the body, because God has designed it so that we all need each other. If we think that we're proving successful by serving alone, we can be absolutely sure that we're not successful at all. The composition of the body means all are equally vital and all are equally valued. It means that whether there are highs, whether there's honour, or whether there are lows, whether there's suffering that Paul alludes to, then we all experience it together. In faith, we should recognise that we are inseparable from the Lord Jesus. We are inseparable from each other, and that transforms our personal attitude, and it will enable us to serve collectively for the glory of Christ. Not all, a quote from a, from a devotional that I read recently, not all of us are teachers and administrators. These public leaders are important to the body, but they are not more important than those who work behind the scenes, caring for babies in the nursery, cleaning the sanctuary, making meals for new mothers and sick families or performing any of the other tasks that might seem lackluster. Our gifts and talents are all necessary for a well-functioning church. So as I close, you know, do you serve because you need some recognition, or you want some identity? Well, you already belong to Christ and to his body. That is your identity. You express him, not yourself. And if you're currently holding back because you don't think you're vital, well, again, you already belong to Christ. You are a part of his body. You express him. You don't express yourself. So we can willingly and joyfully serve out of obedience to the head. You are his, and it doesn't get any more wonderful than that. God already has everything in place so that you can freely and willingly serve. In God's design, we depend upon each other in the highs and in the lows of service, and we need each other. So why should we serve in the church? We should serve because the Spirit has created a unity that cannot be altered. We should serve in the church because we belong to the body and God has determined a role for us that is essential to the actual function of the body. We need each other, and the way that God has so composed it, we cannot serve independently. And because you're part of the body of Christ, as such, you represent him on this earth. When the Lord Jesus ascended to heaven, he was no longer on this earth here in a physical body. But by his spirit, he is present on this earth in his spiritual body. 
If you are a Christian today, you are here as part of that brilliant reality. Therefore, love him and serve him. Thank you. You have been listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. To find out more about us, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk.